hello, hello, and welcome to Salon Stories, the podcast about the hair and beauty industry, um, looking at behind the scenes with the people that make it run, brought to you by hairdressingsupplieslincoln.com. I'm your host, Josh Reese, and with me, I have my wonderful assistant, Kelly. Oh, that's a nice intro. Yeah. Instead well, of making a dig that I've actually turned up. Well, yes, for, for, for audio listeners, we've had a bit of a mare this morning yeah. and had to record the podcast about 40 different times. And <laughs> at the moment, we're, we're on the one mic. Yeah. Um, as distance as we couldn't can be, but I feel like you're still within range to hit me if I say the wrong thing. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so be thought, nice, don't yeah, be a diva. Exactly, play safe, be nice. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to introduce today's guest? Yes, I would love to. So, first of all, we're so honored to be able to record this with today's guest. Not only is he an incredible, talented, and skilled barber, he is also educating barbers whilst raising awareness for suicide prevention. We would personally like to give a huge welcome to the one and only Tom Chapman. Thank you ever so much. That was a lovely intro. Yeah, brilliant. I think my mum wrote that, didn't she? <laughs> we got it through the email, through the email this morning, yeah. <laughs> and lovely lady. not joking that that was the first time I read it. You're fine. It's all good. It's, it's all good. This is we're going for a little bit of a loosey goosey feel. I feel like today, just because um, we have had so many sort of audio issues, we just want to to be able to record. So we're, it's fine. We're all in a bit of a more relaxed place now. I think, which I yeah. think will do is good, um, and it's good because obviously the the stuff we want to talk to you about today, Tom, um, is can often be quite difficult to speak about um, when, especially when we're on the subject of suicide and suicide prevention. Um, I don't feel like death is something, particularly in the Western world, we tend to talk about um, all that much, which maybe maybe we should. So we're really grateful to hear your story um, uh, about the, the Lion Bar- Lions Barber Collective, um, of which you are the founder. Um, so, I mean, why don't we start off with the very b- basics? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, and how you came to, to bring that collective about? Uh, well, okay, so the Lions Barber Collective uh, was founded in 2015. I lost a friend to suicide in 2014, and I, at the time, I wanted to do something to change that, help save lives. You know, I didn't want to see that happen again. It was the first life that was taken from us. I'd lost older relatives, but it was, you know, a little bit older. It was their time almost, you know, uh, although it's never easy. But to have someone 27 and a friend take their life was very difficult. And life got in the way with Salon and being busy, and then about a year later, it kind of manifested itself in the form of a, uh, it was going to be a one-off lookbook, which I gathered 30 barbers from a Facebook group together and organized them into donating an image of a haircut that would be then published and through sponsorship and selling the book, we would raise money for charity. We had lots of suggestions for charities and a lot of them were around male cancer, but I was very aware of all those charities that were mentioned and I wanted to do something different. I felt needed the awareness. And one of the guys, Paul Mack from Ireland, suggested suicide prevention. And that really hit home with me because I was completely unaware that that was something you could raise money for, raise awareness for, that there were charities there. Um, and even though things like Samaritans are well known, I wasn't completely aware of what it was for um, or the importance of it. And because I'd lost somebody to suicide, I thought, how many people out there have lost somebody, are struggling by themselves and don't know that these things are exist or there is help out there so that's why i went with that and then i realized very quickly that as hairdressers and barbers you know we're actually listening every day to clients we've joked about that we are psychiatrists and hormones therapists and people confide in us anyway and we are confidants and then i realized very quickly that actually we perhaps we could do something with the the listening and skills and the uh position that we have in our communities as a, as a hairdresser or barber and that's when we developed the barber talk training 
uh, alongside lead, uh, lead psychiatrist for suicide prevention, Dr. Peter Aitken, former psychiatrist of the year as well, and developed uh, Barbital that has, it's very easily digestible, it's bespoke to the hair industry, and it rests on four pillars of recognising the signs, asking the right direct questions, listening with empathy and without judgement, and finally, helping your client or colleague to find the help they need, uh, basically bridging the gap between the communities we serve as the hair industry and resources that are available. It's it's such a heavy... Incredible. Well, yeah, it's, it's something we, that we've been speaking about in the office for quite some time, knowing that this interview was coming. Um, and it's kind of been healthy for us, I think, um, to be able to talk about the reality. Because, I mean, it's such a trope at the moment that 2020 is such a, a, a pants year and it's such a difficult year. But I think really every year is hard. It's just, it's just bringing out a lot of issues that people are having. And like you said, when people are finally going back, we've had guests before... Um, one of our, our last guests, Tom uh, Tom Badger, who's a local hairstylist here in Lincoln, um, was talking about this very thing about the idea of being, as you say, like a, a, a poor man's um, uh, therapist uh, uh, as a hairdresser or barber. And you hear so much and it can be quite a release it, for clients. Well, it is because um, I worked in a spa because I'm a massage therapist and I've worked in a salon, so I'm beauty as well. And you do, you have clients coming in and they talk to you about stuff. And it, I think it's because there's someone, you're someone as a therapist, beauty and hair, that they can trust. Mm. And also it's all confidential. So it's for them, for the client, they know that they can talk to you about something. It's a bit of a release for them. Mm. And you can't say anything about it to anyone. You can't judge. You're there to obviously make them feel better. And like you say, be that therapist for them. Yeah. And it's been cool to see with, with you, Tom, with what you're doing is you've brought, um, obviously, your passion for for wanting to, to help this this cause of suicide prevention and awareness um, and, and married that with your with your particular talents and skills with the barbering. Um, and uh, is that... Is that made it easier for you, do you think, to, to make a real impact, to bring it into your world, as it were? I think I think as hairdressers, but anyone in the beauty industry, I think anyone with that level of uh, trust that people put in them, they could be like beauty therapists, tattooists, taxi drivers, anything like that where you trust somebody to to provide you with something, whether it's getting from A to B or a haircut, or, I mean, people trust us to have a cutthroat razor on their throat. I mean, it's not many people get to do that. Or <laughs> run, yeah. run, their, run their fingers through your hair or give you a massage. You know, it's very intimate positions. I think we, we do these things anyway without realising. I think, you know, I just, it jokes about it when I first started at Tony and Guy nearly 20 years ago. My manager said, be prepared to be a, a psychiatrist and a, and a therapist. And I just thought I was going there to do a cool job and be very social and be able to have a, you know, Mohican and tattoos at work. And I thought that was like a cool <laughs> thing to a cool thing to do. But you know, it, it is. We do that. We do this anyway. And I think you have to have a level of compassion. You have to have empathy. Yeah. You have to have the art of conversation. We're in a position where we are, you know, having anything from thirty minutes to a few hours one to one with somebody with uninterrupted conversation. We have a license to touch. We're touching intimate spaces on people's bodies that are, you know, saved for outside of our bubble, industry bubble, their their lovers or family members. And there's not that, not many relationships like that. And that human contact releases oxytocin, um, which is a feel-good hormone. So that's one of the reasons why you feel so good. It's not just, uh, oh, my hair looks great. But it's also mm. a human interaction. And I think we're getting less and less of that because 
especially through COVID. I mean, we, we've just been talking, and everyone I've spoken to is just a head and shoulders. You know, I haven't spoken to through Zoom and Teams and Google Meet, and I haven't actually had that human interaction like we, yeah. like we have. And it's so important. I think a lot of people broke down during COVID lockdown because about their hairdressers and barbers, not because they can get a haircut, but because they couldn't see that person that they've, you know, offloaded to every four weeks or six weeks for the last 10, 20 years. It's a relationship. They're not going mm. to see their friend. And I think there's been quite a few emotional returns since we've been back cutting hair for all of us in the hair industry. I was going to ask how have you found it since you've been back? Have, you know, have your clients been that little bit more emotional with you? And yeah, I think opened up a lot more. Yeah, I think that you know, being back to work, it's there's been a lot of anxieties around it from all angles. I think there's been a lot of people that have anxiety. Yeah, the barbers and ambassadors and prospects that we deal with for alliance, some of them are scared about, were scared about going back to work. The anxieties of, oh my god, I'm going to have to go back and be within, you know, very. Yeah, close proximity to people after being so distanced for everybody. Other people worried that will we ever get back to work? Some people lost their jobs. Some people, you know, worried about supporting their family. So, yeah, there's lots and lots of anxieties about it. But the conversations that we've been having since we get back, since we've been back, you know, that the hairdressers and barbers, I think they've got to worry about themselves and their own uh, mental health as well and physical health. Going back and doing ten to twelve clients a day, and that question being. How was lockdown for you? How was COVID for you? And people have lost relatives to it. People have lost jobs to it. People have lost uncertainty. There's a lot of mental health. I think everybody has been affected with their mental health through this lockdown, whether they've been in mm-hmm. lockdown or whether isolation out on, the, on the front line. And I think it's obviously a, a terrible thing, but also I think there's some positives to take from that. This national shared experience, which is the first time since probably the war that we've all shared the yeah. same experience, and we've all realised that mental health actually affects us all. It's not just bipolar, depression, OCD, personality disorders. It's actually just having a bad day, a loss of a job, or uh, uncertainty around your finances, and that is mental health working. I think we need to. The next step, everyone's talked about mental health, and it's fantastic, but the next step is recognising and realising that there's a full spectrum to it, like physical health, you know, everything from having a cold or a headache right through to cancer and lung disease and heart attacks and all those kind of things, and we know how to deal with that from and look after ourselves. You take a day off work, have more vitamin C, eat some veg and, what I don't know, you make yourself feel better. But we're not really there with the, the, the physical health yet. We just sort of think that we've got to get up and get on with it and get through this day and still got to go to work. Or sort of, but it's about it's not about having an excuse. It's about educating ourselves how to how to look after our mental well-being. We know how to look after physical well-being, don't we? We all know that if we eat good food, we mm-hmm. exercise, and that does help your mental health as well. But I don't think anyone really knows about well, – it's not educated. It's not common knowledge how to look after your mental well-being, prevent – ill mental health but talking about it is one of those things and having that non-judgmental accessible non-clinical environment safe space that is a hair salon and a barbershop to go to and offload regularly will actually in time prevent serious mental health issues for some people mm. I mean, on on the subject of of mental health, uh, particularly in this sort of time, it, it seems like you're doing an awful lot of interviews as well. Like you, you're quite busy yourself, even when outside of of hairdressing, and you're talking about mental health so much. Um, but I mean, how are you? How are you doing through lockdown? Because it's it's you're not just talking about other people's mental. You're yeah, you're a person about, yourself. Yeah. yeah. How, how have you found it? 
Yeah, I'm knackered. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's about being honest, and I can openly admit that lockdown, although it, I actually had a really fantastic time, because normally I'm travelling around the world. I'm stuck in some uh, airport in Brazil, waiting for a delayed flight for eight hours, and no one speaks English, and it's a tiny airport, and there's like one vending machine. I can't. I don't even know what any of the things in there are, and yet yeah, no yeah. Wi-Fi, and, and I'm away from my family most of the time. But this has been fantastic i'm not saying that isn't that isn't fun it's lovely to go and i'm very privileged to have the opportunity to travel around the world and come here. but also being back home and having that time out and seeing my put my voice to bed every night and seeing my family has been absolutely fantastic and i live in a lovely part of the world in Torquay and devon where i can go to the beach when we're allowed to go out once a day and go for a walk and i can see the beach from my sofa and that is mm. lovely and i had that time and it actually you know, it gave me time to be able to work on the charity and I could work on the Lions Bible Collective and we developed some online training alongside the NHS and Health Education England to deliver some of that to try and prepare some stylists and barbers before they went back to work for these post-COVID conversations. It's given me time to write a children's book, which is coming out with positive mental health once it's coming out next year. Cool. Wow, that's yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. That really Something you'll be able to read, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll deal with you after this. <laughs> I've just started another adult one for you, Josh. All right, so that's uh, that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, a grown up book. I was going to say, grown up book sounds very different to adult book, but I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All good to me. Yeah, it's not it's not erotica. It's fine. I did I did always think it'd be quite good to write a, a, a erotic gay barber novel called Fifty Fades of Gay, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You'd be looking at the most really niche market there, wouldn't you? Brilliant. <laughs> Where do you go from there? I was going to say, what you know, what are your future plans? But now we're kind of talking about gay erotica, so to know. Salon Stories is brought to you by HairdressingSuppliesLincoln.com, one of the UK's largest independent wholesalers. They've got a huge range of products from like hair dyes, electricals, styling products to shampoos. Uh, you can also get next day delivery. And when you use the code POD5, that's P-O-D-5, you get a nice little 5% off your entire order on us. Sound good? Great. Anyway, back to the show. Look, I just think you know, we talk go back to the original question about mental health. I think yeah, you know, there's points that I there's points that I have actually in that moment. It sounds like I've been really busy and it sounds and it has been really good and productive, but there's been moments where I've gone, when am I actually gonna be able to get out and train these barbers again? When am I gonna be able to cut yeah. them? What's it gonna look like? When are we gonna be able to go and you know, I was meant to go and work a couple of festivals, you know, cutting hair at the festivals and I was so excited to do that. And I was watching something yesterday. We're actually planning something down here for uh, for in the next couple of years the festival around mental health and I was watching some stuff yesterday on YouTube just some footage of festivals and background and organisation skills and all this yeah I used to look forward to going and seeing the lineup. now I'm looking at stage management and toilets and things which is really different but seeing the mm-hmm. festivals and seeing those people together it's like when are we actually going to have be able to have a hundred thousand people in a field gathering mm-hmm. celebrating live music and sweating all each other sweating on each other again i mean it's not yeah. going to happen soon is it and it's just that was kind of the realization of what's it gonna, what's the future going to look like because that ended are we ever going to be able to do those things again and um, it's quite yeah. scary isn't it yeah i mean i hope not but i mean it's it, outside of this I'm in the music industry myself I'm, I'm actually a, a folk guitarist and singer and that work's just gone it's dead 
um, the, the industry doesn't exist right now. And hopefully, obviously, we'll be able to bring it back. There'll always be time for live music and stuff. But yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, in the folk duo, you don't get, get many mosh pits or <laughs> people sweating on you unless you're really lively. But um, it's it is a weird because it's it it's one of those aspects of life that you just take for granted. Um, mm. And it, it's a great example of yeah, is what is new? What is the world going to be now? Yeah, I think it's that level of uncertainty. It's very difficult, isn't it? It's that whole, mm. there's no There's no end. There's no like, okay, so on the 5th of November, everyone's going to yeah. be able to go and do whatever. It's like, oh, well, this is going to happen. And then the, all the rules and regulations are very, there's nothing's black and white. It's like you can go to a pub and you can go and get drunk and not wear a mask, but you can't go down the corner shop and buy a pint of milk around a mask. You six groups of six, but groups of six. And I think that uncertainty has made a big difference. It made an impact on everyone's mental health. Um, yeah including my own but it's really important to have those networks of peer groups around you that you can share with and we're lucky within the lions because you know the prospects and the ambassadors we have like whatsapp groups we look after each other it's a safe space you can say whatever you want on there it's non-judgmental it's about having your family around you which is really important um and and remembering as a you know if you've done the bob talk training and you've done you know as a lions ambassador or lions prospect or whatever it's important to remember that those things such as Samaritans and, and IAPs and all that kind of stuff are there for you as well. Like if you're having a crap day, you can just ring up Samaritans and go and talk to them. They're there to listen. That's what they that's what they do. And it's such an important service for us to remember. You can't pour from an empty cup. And it's something one of my clients told me when they were worried about me. And people are constantly going on with me actually on say you need to you need to take some time for yourself. But you know, I think for me the the biggest reward out of everything is when I get a message from somebody to say that either I help them or even better now, I get messages from people that have taken either Barb Talk Light or Barb Talk or Barb Talk Online and said to me, thank you for the training because I saved a life the other day. Mm. I helped yeah. somebody. And that's just incredible because then I know that it's not just me doing it, it's other people out there. And I sometimes forget that when I'm in my little bubble here in the little Lions HQ working away on stuff. Um, but yeah, the impact that the hair industry has, the just as a network and the infrastructure that the hair and beauty industry has, it's on every single high street, every single your smallest village, biggest cities, it's accessible to everybody, it's affordable to everybody, it's you know, non-clinical, non-judgmental safe spaces that you can go and off- offload. And people do it anyway. Hairdressers listen on average two thousand hours a year. And we have to listen because if you come in and tell me you, you want to keep your hair long and I get clippers out and shave it off, you're going to be upset. So it's one of our first <laughs> things we do. We have to listen. You know, we're good at listening. You going to say something? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 did, I didn't want to interrupt. So obviously with you, you know, you're not only just an award-winning barber, you're an author, as we've heard. You brought out a children's book. Um, an erotic barber book on the way. Yeah, that's next, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll change one of the characters' names to Josh if you like. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take I that. I thought he looks like him as well. That would be ace. Yeah, weedy pale boy. It could be a pop up book. <laughs> oh, don't, no, don't, no one needs this popping up in their face. <laughs> oh, we've, we've lost Kelly. It's all right. Yeah, I'm going to try and come back. Um, <laughs> You're also an author, public speaker, speaker, global barber director Mm -hmm. and international director. Is there anything else that you're planning on doing with your career? So 
I know um, COVID has brought a lot of restrictions. So do you think you're going to try and do more stuff like virtually? You know, what are you what are your future plans? Yeah, I mean, it's really it's really torn, is it? Because I think there's, there's something in, in it that we have to say, let's say, right, sod it, we're going to do these things anyway. We're going to try and do these things because we don't know what it's going to look like in 12 months to year. But like I was saying then, just about the festival, we were, we were going to do a festival next year, 2021, down here in Paynton, in on the beach, a big festival uh, called 2X on the Beach, which we're teaming up with Samaritans to do. And yeah, and we're gonna have to prolong it until I can't give away too much because this is the first time I've actually spoken about it publicly. So this is a oh, yeah. So um, but yeah, we've, with the news being restrictions last week, and I think we, you know we've actually put to, put our minds together with the committee and actually gonna prolong it, uh, prolong it, and put it back to 2022 to make sure that yeah, people and people are gonna buy tickets because who's gonna buy tickets to a festival right now? And yeah, it's a completely yeah. non-profit festival with all the money going to Samaritan's Lives by Protective. But it's things like that we have but we're still gonna keep on pushing forward with it. But also, you know, we developed the online barber talk training. Um, I've been doing a lot of public speaking but online through teams and things like that. I'm at Salon Smart, which is next Sunday, uh, with Creative Head magazine. And yeah, that was meant to be a big event. I've done it before and it's Everyone gets together, salon owners, and it's normally a fantastic mm. event. But we're going to have to do that. We're going, we are going to a studio in London to live stream it all. But it's just not the same, is it? And I think we all have to adapt. And I, I'm lucky that I've got a mixed bag of things that I do because if I was literally still just had a salon and cutting hair all day, I would have been. Well, I don't know what I would have done over the last four or five months. And I think it's it's very funny, isn't it? Because people always said to me, all the way through my career, going, oh, fantastic, you're a barber and a hairdresser because you'll never be out of work. You can go and do it any way you want. <laughs> and how, wrong, <laughs> how wrong were they? Um, how naive we were. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. Did we Sorry. know 2020 was going to hit us like this? Yeah, no, I <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I don't know how I bet Skype are gutted, aren't they? Because it always used to be Skype. Yeah, where did they go? They just fell off the face of the earth. I was trying to say that. I literally Zoom. never heard of Zoom until yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's been devastating in some ways, but actually I'm very grateful for it in other ways because I've had family time. I've been able to write that children's book that I wanted to do and, and get a get a publication deal for my next book. And I actually managed to get a deal with an agency like uh, during lockdown and started doing some, we did some filming with Romesh and uh, Ranganathan and then we did some oh, yeah. And we like, yeah, it's a legend. And, you know, it's just, yeah, stuff like that. So actually there's been some plus sides to it. Um, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen in 2021? I mean, could it go, could we go back into lockdown? Could we, you know, I think we have to be prepared for the worst, but also look forward to and prepare for as if, because it, it came around like a click of a finger and it's like, I mean, I was in LA doing a hair show in January when they started talking about it in China, and I, and you know, flying back, and then by the time we get to March, we're all in lockdown, and it's just yeah. so quick. With, with yeah. all this, it sounds like you've got a lot of silver lining, and I think that's important, especially now. Yeah, you can't put your life on hold, can you? you exactly. Can st- still plan some stuff. With all this that you've, you know, like I say, bringing out book you're spending you're taking time out yourself which I think is important so what experiences throughout your whole career would be the highlight of it um I think it's a it's a difficult one isn't it because I, I there's lots of points and I think the points that in my in my career 
that I've that have caused me the most anxiety and fear, I, you know, panic attacks, all that kind of stuff. They're the ones that once I achieved and did them, they actually projected me onto the next bit and they elevated my career. So the you know first in I think opening my own salon in 2011 was massive for me. Uh, I've never been that stressed in my life up until that point. Um, You've never tried to record a, a podcast four times in a row. I've done much worse than that. I've done a whole full-on hour and a half interview and the bloke that hadn't pressed record, so we don't see that before. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, we are recording, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, carry on, yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that, you know, uh, yeah, and that gave me the opportunity to use my salon as a f- photographic studio. We used, to have, we used to have live music in there. We used to do all sorts of different things, which enabled me to get sponsorship deals and get magazine appearances and all that kind of stuff. And then I got approached to do education by a wholesaler and education place down here in Exeter. He wanted me to do it. I've never done education before, always wanted to. And I said, yes, I'm a very firm believer in saying yes to things, even especially if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had six months to plan it, and I just panicked for six months and didn't sleep. And, and I, had, I had a panic attack with one of my, my clients. I cut his hair a million times. My wife had to take over and finish a haircut. Um, and I, I practiced. I set up a practice day at the South Devon College to shoot some kind of warm-up. And as the tutor walked past me I turned up and there was like 40 of them all sat there and I was panicking to myself and, I walked, and the tutor walked past me I don't think I can do this and she didn't hear me and walked off and I was like oh, I've got to do this so I went in and, did it. And, it was okay. and it was okay it was fine and, you know my dad said to me so look what's the worst case scenario if you don't do it they probably won't ask you again he said if you do do it and you mess up they won't ask you to do it again but at least you'll know and you know I did that and it was fantastic, and that led to more and more things. And working now as a global bar director with Q, developing education and marketing material and points of sale for global. They're in 86 countries worldwide, you know, traveling, doing that kind of thing. And you know, doing a TED talk, I nearly didn't do that. It's only my wife that said, You've got to do that. You can't not do it. You know, I said, okay. Sounds like she's a good pusher for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, the thing is, that, that was a big thing for me because I was out just talking. I wasn't talking about hair. I wasn't, you know, there wasn't a head, there wasn't a head of hair in front of me sat there and I was talking about what I was doing. It was just me. And there was a thousand people there watching and 35,000 people live streaming at the time. Um, and you had to learn the script word by word. You couldn't have cue cards. You couldn't have, oh my God, that was terrifying. It's an intense okay. experience. Yeah, intense. And then they're, they're big highlights because they allow you to go and they give you a bit more credibility. They take you on to the next level. And the you know, awards for the Lions Barber Collective from, yeah, Modern Barber and uh, Most Wanted and most recently this last week from the Police Crime Commissioner um, of Devon and Cornwall and Theresa May got an award from her, meeting Prince William. There's been loads of stuff, my first book being published. And when you actually, it's not until I sit and reflect on things like this, you actually go, oh, yeah, I've actually done a fair bit because I think I'm always looking towards next, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Um, but it's, it just drives you forward. Yeah, it's something to aim for, isn't it? Looking for the next thing. Yeah, I think, you know, things like there's been awards and things that I've been in finals of, you know, things like War Barber of the Year Awards live at Sound International and didn't win. But it's an amazing experience. I think as long as you take from it, and it doesn't, just because you win an award or you do things, it doesn't mean that that's it. It's how you leverage things and how you use that as a, as a, as a, I don't know, a springboard to the next thing. 
Um, I know people that have won awards and then they've just gone and worked in their salon and I've never seen them again. They've never done anything again. But I also know plenty of people in the industry who have never won an award. They've reached finals lots and lots of times, but actually they are hugely successful in, in other ways in, in the industry. And it doesn't have to be. I mean, the first book I wrote, I self-published, Barber Boom. And the idea of that was I interviewed barbers and hairdressers from all around the world when I was traveling because we were having these conversations over drinks and dinner every night. And it's, it's basically for anyone in the industry, especially if you're new to the industry, to realize that there's so many different paths to, to success. You know, there's people in there like the Alan, Be- Alan Beats and Scorum, the guys from, you know, the Deruzel and all that, that, you know, they're big names. Everyone knows who they are. But there's also people in there like Ollie Nobbs, who probably you wouldn't know who he is as a hairdresser or barber, but he's actually got a hugely successful franchise chain of, of barbershops. Uh, and there's other guys in there that are just uh, managers, there's other guys in there that are new to the industry. And it just goes to show there's different routes to success and everybody has their own journey in life as well as in barbering. There's no strict rules of by the time I'm 25, I should have my own salon. By the time I'm 30, I should have two, I should have this. It doesn't have to work like that. You know, I don't even have a salon anymore. Um, Mm. I actually do one day a week mobile because it restricts me so much. Um, but other people said to me, why would you, you know, people ask me all the time, why have you not got a salon anymore? You should have a salon, really. You should have a barbershop. But there's no rules to it. You can just do what Yeah, you could do you. Yeah. Exactly. And would you say Lions is, is sort of more your your baby, your main thing at the moment? Yeah, Lions is my, my passion. I mean, I, I've done it for five years. Yeah, we we tried, yeah, like four days ago was your five-year anniversary, wasn't it? Happy, the happy anniversary. It I think it was about, it's been... It's been difficult. It's been there's been points where I, I nearly said I'm not doing this anymore. It's not good for me. I can't, yeah, I can't do this. And what did you go in? But yeah, uh, it just that fact that it helped. How many people? When someone tells me it saved their life, mm. and I think when we when we filmed the documentary recently as well, that was a real big thing for me because I met some people who have been affected indirectly. So like the, the parents of somebody whose life was saved and the, you know, yeah. things like that. And it's just that whole wider spectrum of how many people are impacted by that. Um, and I just, I've never had to push it in a, it's a bit of a difficult one. I have pushed it obviously because I've driven it through, but I've never had to go out there and tout for this idea. People have come on board and supported us, yeah. um, which just makes me think that, okay, it's the right thing to do. And yeah, I've given a lot to it, but it's given a lot to other people. It's given a lot to myself, and it's been difficult. But I just the Lions Barber Collective. I mean, I'm. I think because I've got a very diverse day-to-day life from, you know, Lions Barber Collective writing books, organising events, managing volunteers, you know, all those all those kind of things. Conversations. I mean, I've spent so many times in conversations and zoom calls with people from nhs health education england network rail and all these people like when i started in hairdressing i didn't think that i'd be speaking to psychiatrists and brain train rail managers and yeah but that kind of stuff is really diverse it is it's amazing how you've gone from hairdressing and how far you've actually branched out to obviously mental health and where you are now. And can you tell us a bit more about your documentary that's on Amazon? So the 1.7 million uh, pound haircut. That's right. Yeah, For people who want to find it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's Amazon Prime, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was something I was, I was, I was sort of uh, approached by a few production companies and I was very 
uh, not concerned, but conscious of the fact that you know, they can put the message out there however they want to put the message out there. If they want to make it a, a, like a shock doc or they want to do, do yeah. I mean, we had little control over it. And because it's my baby as such, it's my sort of brainchild, it, it, I want, I'm quite protective over the message that we put out there and I'm very protective over how the media, how the media portray suicide there's a lot of negativity around it and actually you know, it's really important that actually we promote positive stories of of you know people who have been impacted but survived and gone on to be successful and things like that because it's really we, negative stories around suicide mentioning um means of suicide and, and negativity around it and sensationalize it actually cause more suicides in the following year so each one of those stories can cause two more deaths by suicide um, which is, and if it's, and if it's a celebrity, it's eight more deaths. So it's really important. Yeah. And so it's really important that we actually start to promote it and meet and put it in the media well. So that's, that, that's one reason I was very conscious about it. But we started working with the team who made the videos for our barber talk training and they suggested, why don't we do the documentary together? So we worked on it together and the idea was to be able to give a bit of an insight into what we're doing. It looks all shiny and nice because we've got a good logo and some got good media presence, but actually it was a bit of realisation that, that we don't have a huge amount of funds. Nobody's employed by the charity. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have any full-time staff or anything. Um, and just show people what we're doing and what it actually is behind it all. And along that journey, that's when I found out that the economic burden of each death by suicide is 1.7 million pounds mm, completely baffled me that wow well, it, it was for me i would for somebody who'd lost someone to suicide people to suicide i'd only ever focused on that emotional burden that loss course, that, yeah. for myself for the families for yeah all those people around them and to hear that was just a big shock i think well how was that and it's because of Things like the inquest, the loss of opportunities, the uh, impact on families, counselling, impact, you know, like police, air ambulances, all that kind of stuff will cost money. And when you mm-hmm. think that suicide is the biggest killer in young people under 45, 75% of them are men, and it's like 6,500. You times that 6,500 by 1.7 million. It's a lot of money, economic burden on society. And that kind of made me sort of go down the path of, right, so who's somebody in government somewhere is aware of these figures and there is a budget there for that because that's a that's that's a lot of money somewhere but why is there not more money being invested in mental health and prevention and and because prevention is better than the cure and there's no cure to suicide but it is preventable suicide is preventable and hopefully for what we're doing with the lions barber collective through this huge infrastructure of the hair industry and eventually i would love to get it into the curriculum um I've spoken Westminster about that. I've spoken, yeah. But we're, we're doing something down here, NHS Southwest Mental Health Clinical Network, catchy name, I know, and uh, Health Education England. Are, um, yeah, the NHS has got some fantastic names. Um, <laughs> God, great, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not their strong suit. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's, very, it's very literal, is exactly what they are. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's we're, we're working together with them to, and Training Provider Network, which is... Uh, they oversee all the training providers in Devon and Cornwall to try and do a trial, get some funding to do a trial to train all of the students in the hair and beauty industry here in Devon in Barber Talk so that you know, that's the real legacy, that's the real change. If we can train all of the trainees in beauty and hair, then in 20 years' time, the whole industry is going to have that pretty much. Mm. Um, that's amazing. 
they just that's the only way to really make the real change um i think on a, on a long-term scale and uh, i think it, it's a half day training session we learn about one of the first things we learn about in health and safety is the physical aspects of it the ringworm the lice the mm-hmm. psoriasis of all the lovely pictures in the in the book you know oh, the graphic lice now this is frustrating i'm gonna yeah, have yeah uh. <laughs> But I, I, I've been cutting hair 18 years, and I've dealt with that a handful of times. A couple of kids come in with lice. You get the odd client that has psoriasis. I don't think I've ever seen ringworm. Um, but you know, why is there no mental health training in there? We, we're dealing with people's mental health every single day when they sit in the chair, whether it's good mental health or bad mental health, whether it's, oh, I've just got a new job or I've lost my job or you know, I'm struggling financially or you know, anyone listening to this is a hairdresser and a barber, I bet you've had a client sit in your chair and tell you, especially after COVID, something negative, something about, and that is what they're doing. They're, they're disclosing their mental health to you. Whether you know, you've lost a job, lost a relationship, not like what's looking back at them in the mirror, you know, gained weight, whatever it may be, lost their pet hamster. It, I don't know, it affects people. Mm-hmm. It affects people, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what it is. No, because uh, your own issues are still your issues. And I think something yeah. that, that I've had to teach myself or relearn myself this year is that actually it, it's all relative. Like it doesn't matter whether you've just lost your grandmother or you're just having a bad day because someone said you look fatter than you were the day before. Like what affects you affects you. And it's yeah. important to feel that and process it and people have an outlet. People deal with things a lot differently. And I think that's what people have to be respectful of. That's a massive one there. And that's something that we, we talk about in our training. When we do the listening, it's really important not to you know, tell people. that When you're listening, just give them the opportunity to listen. Give them the opportunity to talk and not tell them, I know how you feel or I understand. Or when my hamster died, you know, this happened. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? Because you, know, you talked about your nan dying, but you know, my relationship with my nan will be different to your relationship with your nan. I might, she might do my head in. Oh, I've got to go around there and look after her. Oh, God, she's not in the right frame of mind. It's her time to go, whatever. Your relationship with your nan might be that she brought you up and you, you know, you got a really strong bond with her. You see her every day. You go around there, cook her dinner. Or, so if for someone that it feels like a burden to them or they feel like it's their time to go, they might be relieved for them, whereas you may be devastated. So you can't tell people, I understand or I know how you feel because we don't, we don't understand. We're better to say, like, I don't understand how you feel, but I'm willing to listen to you explain. Um, I do think with the whole COVID thing, sorry, um, you know, everyone's saying, oh, we're all in the same boat. We're actually not. We're all going through this storm together, but we're all in different boats. We're all in our our, our own little boats dealing with this storm. Yeah, how long have you worked on that metaphor for? Yeah. That was far too clever, yeah. No, it's... But you're absolutely right, yeah, yeah. it's something I said from day one. Oh, yeah, we're in the same... We're all in the same boat. Well, actually, no, we're not. We're We're all in this storm together in our own boats, dealing with things differently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shared experience. It's a a shared experience, which which is good, but it's not a... It's not... It's not the same experience. And I think, you know, having that, I hope... Shared experiences bring people closer together, don't they? If you go on holiday with a group of friends, you have a shared experience and you have a bond. Whether if you've all experienced it, it's slightly different because we can only ever, ever experience everything for our own eyes, and you can you will never ever see anyone's life in the same view that they see their own life, no matter how much you want to. And um, yeah. so, just being aware of that, being aware of what we say and how we deal with things, and I think we've been socially conditioned to by society to say things like, "I understand, I know how you feel," because we think we're empathising with them. 
but actually, you know, who's been in a, I mean, been in a, uh, I don't know, end of a relationship and you talk to somebody and you confide to them and they go, yeah, I know how you feel. And it doesn't make you feel good, does it? It sort of either shuts you down, it makes you feel resentful about them, or you think, well, no, you don't know how I feel because it's completely different to, yeah. to your, your situation. And, you know, this is my situation. And I think it's it's hard. And we have this conversation tennis that we've been we've been programmed to do where we listen to some we listen to the person who's talking until they say something that we can recognize and and relate to and we hold on to that stop listening to whatever they're saying from that point hold mm. on to that until they they pause as soon as a breath of air so we can get in and talk about our opinion and that's why conversations go you know the train of thought and everything goes from one to you think, how do we get here we started off yeah. talking about cars now we're talking about tennis whatever do you know what i mean but it's, that's that's fine that's fine in everyday life but actually once you've asked somebody that question how are you feeling today john or are you suicidal and do you have a plan that's when it's time to shut up and listen and just listen to what they've got to say and not be scared of silences let them that silence they've probably never told anyone about some of these things they're trying to they're trying to verbalize that thing from their head into their out of their mouth and that actually takes a lot of time to do and those silences maybe maybe one two five fifteen seconds and then thinking and they're and being silent is allowing them the permission to continue talking and i think that it's the liberation of realizing as the listener we don't have to solve the problem we don't have to fix it all we have to do is give them the platform to talk and empathize with them and don't judge them and and that often gives somebody the platform to solve their own problems because we often know what we need to do to resolve our problems like i know that if i don't want to be fat i need to eat less food and exercise more but no one likes being told that so if they tell you that you go well, screw you, I'm going to order a Domino's right now. Or yeah, whatever. I'm going to have a spike pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly, spike pizza. Yeah, exactly, but that's, that's what we do. No one likes being told what to do, but we all know, we, all, we can all work it out for ourselves if we're encouraged and given that opportunity to. And it is literally, I'm going to say as simple as that, it's very difficult. Try and practice that. If you're listening to this, try and practice that with your, your family members and, and or whoever around you and just listen to them and don't jump in. Let them tell their whole story because actually – not only will it help them, but it makes you feel great as well. This is this this is the awkward bit where um, after you making the very valid point that <laughs> listening is great and not jumping in to change the subject. Um, on a different subject. Um, no, no, obviously. Um, unfortunately, we, we, we'll wrap things up in a, in a little bit. We, we've really enjoyed speaking to you, but we have something that we we go through with every guest. Um, two two sort of little little segments, as it were, at the end. Um, our first of which is a salon horror story. Now, um, being a barber, obviously you're going to have some, some real, some. I don't know if it could be a, could be a bad haircut. We've we've had, uh, oh, we, we've had people forgetting equipment. We've had oh, but, we've had an ear well, chopped that, off. Yeah, yeah, we've had an ear chopped, chopped off. off. Um, have you got they like back, a? Don't they? Ears, they grow back. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was definitely a shock to us because I made the I made the just off the cuff joke. Oh, it could be anything from a bad haircut to lobbing an ear off. It's like, well, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. Actually have happened. you got a a salon horror story for us? So, like your work experience. Well, I've been asked this before, and it's hard because I think I don't. I don't. I was trying to think about it. I don't kind of hold on to those things much. But I think we all make mistakes going through, you know, going through careers and we're learning. Like put the wrong guard on and shave someone down to a one when they wanted a four, and then you have to convince them that a skin fade's the best haircut for them, or whatever that may be. <laughs> or you know, I think there, there's things like that. I mean, I, but I'm trying to think now. I did sort of 
I did sort of slice my finger off on stage at Sound International. That was a good one. Well, hang on, just, hang on, hang on. What do you mean, sort of? <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't actually slice it off. But I, I was doing a slicing technique and just went straight through my finger and blood everywhere. And, and uh, I just used it as a, as a, to promote how sharp the court would still scissors were. Look at how I didn't feel a thing. Yeah, yeah. I still got all my fingers, but it was no, no one had a plaster, which was uh, interesting. Um, so I was just bleeding out on stage, which was uh, fun. But yeah, whatever, Joe, whatever. These things happen. I was like, look, how many people here have cut themselves before cutting hair? Like, if you haven't, then you will do. Um, yeah. And I just have. Clearly. No, exactly. It's just one of those things. I don't know. I think. There's, there's obviously a situation. I think we all we all deal with things that go wrong because no one's perfect. It's about just looking at that failure and going, look, failure is an event. Yeah, failure is an event, not a person. I am not a failure. I made a mistake. But as long as I learn from that and move forward, you know, it, it's just one of those one of those things. I mean, I've, I've been on stage with people that have cut people's ears whilst and bleed. I've been on stage. You know, things go wrong. And at the end of the day, a lot of people... It's only we deal with it ourselves. We take it on board and we shudder and have guilt. But other people probably don't even remember it. Or yeah, it's just thinking about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We all have these things and we all deal with them our own way. It's actually sometimes it's about letting those things go. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff between the difference between shame and guilt and how we deal with those things. And shame is something that we put on ourselves, and guilt is something that others put onto us. And it's this is oh god, I talk about this when I'm around. Oh, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, with a final question for, before we go through, because we, we we like to sort of like tell people where to go to to look look you up a bit. We'll get to that in a second. First of all, um, I am the son of a preacher man, uh, and uh, my minister father, bless him, has uh, a question he likes to ask people he's meeting. Pretty intense first question, to be honest, because um, uh, it feels that it, you you just by the, their answer you can get to know like what type of person they are and a little bit more about them. So, you live your life pretty out there you're like you're pretty you're an open book but is there anything about yourself that you don't feel people know that you'd like them to know oh god no you don't want to know the real me um no, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> no, I think i think one of the things that uh, guilty pleasure that people um people don't i've got two things that i outside of hair and suicide prevention all that sort of stuff around but my biggest things are i'm a, a huge wrestling fan professional wrestling that's the only thing i really get time to watch on television or, or not on television on the computer whilst i'm working so i'm big into that um and the other thing i really love is disney absolutely love it i've been to disney world 14 right. times i've been to disneyland twice disneyland and and that's just that's just where you know I've got Disney tattoos. That's my that's my sort of like I sit longing. I watch YouTube videos about people walking around Disney World and stuff like that. So um, it's really weird. I tra- I've travelled all the way around the world with work, but yeah. the only place I would probably pay to go is Disney. <laughs> Fair play. Okay, we've got a new final question then. Mm. Favorite classic Disney film, and there is a right answer. Well, I've got this tattoo. Gaston. Yeah, Gaston. Yeah, there's there's some there's some horrible there's some horrible footage of me singing karaoke with Matty Conrad in Vancouver on stage at a barbering show that uh, Mark Payton put on in Vancouver, and after uh, the after party they had 
they had a karaoke and obviously they'd seen that tattoo and they'd say, Tom Chapman, come on to the stage now with Matty Conrad and we sung that song. And to be fair, I had probably been drinking for about six hours before, so I don't I don't remember any of it. I didn't remember it until the next day when I saw on social media everyone had tagged me in it. I'd actually taken my shirt off and I was flexing and all sorts of stuff. So that was that was a, a nice can thing I, to wake up to. Can I jump in and ask, can we find that video anywhere? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's one of those things that I shudder over every now and then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the amount of videos that I've found the, the morning after and should have, it, oh, it's not yeah, great. Yeah, down, down mobile I mean, phones. Exactly. The correct <laughs> answer, of course, was The Jungle Book. But I'll give you yeah. it for the oh, dedication with the The Jungle Book's a good one. That was the last animated movie that Walt Disney ever saw before he died. Okay, right. Okay, I, I believe you that you're a massive Disney fan, because who else knows trivia like that? that <laughs> so we're going to do a follow-up Disney podcast. <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. yeah, I like Disney. Let's get down to business. <laughs> Tom got it. Did you get the reference? Uh, what? A bit of Mulan? No. We're going to move on. So thank you so much for, for coming to <laughs> speak to Tom, honestly. I've had that song stuck in my head all day now. Three days, mate. I've had it in my head for three days. Um, oh, it's been amazing having you on here. Yeah, it really it's has. It's been such a pleasure. If thank people you. want to find more about you, um, that you can go to uh, Amazon Prime. It's a great, great source uh, about the Lions uh, Barber uh, Collective. Um, search for the £1.7 million haircut. I highly recommend it. Um, have you got an Instagram you want to promote or you'd like yeah. people to follow you on? Well, if you go, if you've got the Lions Barbers, uh, if you go on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, it's the Lions Barbers, it's a handle. Um, go to the lionsbarbercollective.com. You can see everything on there. Is there a way for people to, to donate towards the, the training there as well? Yeah, so you can do this. Let's uh, donate, ways to donate on the website. Um, there's also a fundraising pack as well. Um, so you can go and download that, which you can do your own fundraising and posters and things like that on there. Um, yeah, fundraising is very important to us to continue. So we're a very small charity. We've got a long way to yeah. go. We want to be sustainable. Um, so we want to continue doing this. We want to train everybody. We want to change the change the industry, for not only for the people sat in the chair, but also for the hairdressers and barbers. Prepare you for that situation because mm-hmm. you're going to deal with it anyway. So you know, prepare you so you have confidence in yourself to be able to listen to that person and pass them on and keep them safe. Amazing. Honestly, mate, thank you so much. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Absolutely um, amazing having you here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I think the first take, the first recording was way better, though. Oh! <laughs> This episode of Salon Stories was sponsored by hairdressingsuppliesLincoln.com. It was edited by Josh Reist and produced by Alice Leonard. Don't forget to subscribe and please do give us a positive review as that really does help us out a lot. Uh, Also, if you want to see a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram. That's at Salon Stories Pod. Thank you ever so much for listening and we'll see you next time for the next Salon Story.